I think from a leadership standpoint, you really need to check in with your team, understand, you know, what is on the ground for them, how how it is that they're approaching their work. And it's usually pretty obvious when you start recognizing, you know, burnout. But um, if you want to catch it before that, it is about understanding how your team is working. And, you know, why does one person seem like they're happy I'll say 100% of the time, even though we know that's not necessarily always possible, but um, who's coming into work really happy and jazzed on things and another one who's still performing, but maybe lacks that luster. And so taking recognition of that and actually pulling your team member aside and having a conversation about, you know, where they're at and are there external things creating this or is it the job? Because what you can do is hopefully catch it before it turns into burnout and help them find new and better ways to work moving forward. Welcome to another episode of the Leading to Fulfillment podcast, where everything we talk about is meant to encourage people-first leaders, empower individuals to achieve fulfillment, and to help your organizations become places people love to work. I'm your host, James Laws, and I have a great show in store for you. My guest for this episode is Catherine McCourt. Catherine is a transformational life and business coach. She focuses her coaching on empowering individuals, entrepreneurs, and businesses to lead with purpose to prosper. She hosts the podcast Fearless Future with Catherine McCourt and is published in online blogs and magazines such as thriveglobal.com. Her motto in life is live in fearless evolution. In my conversation with Catherine, we discussed the influence and power of purpose, how leaders can partner with their team with purpose, the difference between being busy and productive, and even the toll of burnout and how to prevent it. But first, I want to invite you to subscribe and leave a review for the Leading to Fulfillment podcast in your favorite podcast tool. We are on Apple and and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and you can even watch us over there on YouTube. Now, let's jump into my conversation with Catherine McCourt. Catherine, thank you so much for joining me today on the Leading to Fulfillment podcast. Thanks so much, James. It's an honor to be here. Real pleasure. I'm really excited for this conversation because as I read over some of your material and I was just kind of familiarizing myself with you, you talk about something that I care a lot about. I'm, I'm going I'm to talk a little longer than I do in this first part, just because I want to set this up properly. I have a model that I have been using with my team, and we have been sharing on our website for some time now called a, kind of the Circles Fulfillment Model. And for those who can't see, or if you go to the website, circles.com, you can see it there. That circles with two eyes in case you wonder. Uh, we have this Venn diagram. And of this Venn diagram, there are three circles, obviously, that overlap. At the very center, what I am looking for for my team and for other leaders is to help them find fulfillment, find the thing that they really connect to, that, that gets them excited every single day. But when you look at that vendor diagram at the center where all three circles you know, overlap is fulfillment, but there are, there are three other points where two circles at a time overlap with each other. 
And those three overlaps are what I have kind of talked about as the motivational drivers to fulfillment. They're the things that that get us excited and actually form what fulfillment actually is, help us maintain it. One of those, very specifically, is purpose. And so the three of them are passion, progress, and purpose. Purpose, one of the motivational drivers. I know purpose is extremely important to you and the things that you talk about. Uh, Can you share a little bit with us on your journey towards purpose and what purpose means to you and what you do? Certainly. Um, well, my my journey to purpose has kind of been a two two part series, and I think if you ask anyone who believes that they live by purpose or live with purpose, um, it is a journey. It's not something that you find one day and then oh, there it is, I've got it, and the rest of your life is going going to be perfect, and you're always going to feel like you're fulfilled. That's just not reality. Um, but my pursuit, I guess I call it to purpose really started in my 20s. And I had, you know, finished school and started my career. And I've always been a very driven career person. And I happened to be working for it was my second or third company that I had started working for. And I thought I was on the path of what I thought was would really resonate with me, which was, you know, working in tech. And I always loved to, um, be sort of ahead of the game and know like what new features and technology is coming out. And I was starting at the bottom. I was an assistant to a VP sales and marketing at the time. Um, but I very quickly within three years had um, grown my role into a key account manager. And then I ended up getting laid off. And what happened at that point was it made me realize very quickly that, you know, you could seem like you have all those boxes ticked and ticked off in terms of what you want out of a career or what out of a job or out of the people even that you work with, the types of teams that you work with. And they could all be ticked off well. Um, but there is no a security, as we know, there's no security in, in any job, really. So <laughs> sorry to say that, but it's true. You have to be the driver of your own future. And what happened after that layoff was I started going to job interviews and I was really feeling like They went amazing. I had great rapport with the interviewer. But every time it came to an offer, I felt flat. And I thought, how am I, how can I really get behind this company? Is it really something that I am passionate about? Is it something that I could, you know, get excited about? And it wasn't really happening for me. And I sort of sat back and realized there was a ton of other things going on in my life, like you know, turmoil in relationships and um, things like that. And I really took a moment to kind of sit and say, you know, what have I been telling myself all along? What do I really, really want to do? And what one thing that I knew for sure was that I didn't want to stay in the city where I grew up. And it's an amazing city. It's Montreal um, here in Canada. But I just always felt, even from a teenage teenager, that I wanted to live somewhere else. So I thought, I haven't done that yet. And now is the time. I don't have any responsibilities in terms of like family and children and all that here. My family had gone through illness and had now healed. My brother had nieces who were of an age now where they would remember me if I went away for a couple of years. So I just felt it was the right time. And so I had moved across the country. And so I would say that moment of moving across the country with no job and just really setting out on this new journey and this new path for myself meant that I had, A, found 
or sort of gotten myself on the path of purpose. So I decided to do something that I knew would resonate with me. So moving to a place where I could live a really active lifestyle all year round. Um, and then from there, because that happened, I was able to then go, all right, this, this was a vision I had. I made it happen. What next? And so it wasn't until three years in that I ended up, um, you know, working for a couple of different organizations and also worked for myself. So I figured if I can't find the right job, I'm going to create the right job. And so I started a little marketing um, freelance business. And I did that for about a year and a half. And then I stumbled upon, I wanted to see what was happening in the market. And I stumbled upon this company um, that just, I read everything about it online. And with every page I read, it was just as if it was filling me up with like, I don't know, just it seemed like it was tapping into things that I am passionate about. So for an example, protecting the environment, things that are sustainable, a company that really has a strong mission um, to spread to the world about, you know, if we don't keep start protecting our planet better, we're not going to have a planet to go out and play in. So it really struck me as something that I could get behind and it moved me emotionally. So I said, I want to work for this company. And at the time they didn't have a marketing role, but I also had a sales background. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to go in in the sales aspect. And then once I'm in the doors, obviously, then I can assess <laughs> the situation and maybe eventually move into marketing again. But that didn't happen. I ended up being with the brand for 11 years. And I stayed in sales. And some people are like, God, 11 years. Well, I've had three different roles within that organization. I was able to build a ton of stuff while I was there and learn at the same time. But the thing, the key thing for me was that I was able to stand with a brand and, and work with a brand that absolutely had a purpose, a mission, and it aligned with mine. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I love that story. And I think there's so many important takeaways to, to pull out of that. One of those being, you know, and this is maybe hard for business owners or leaders with a team. You're, you may work really hard with your team to help your team members find fulfillment and they still might end up leaving, right? They still yes. may come a time when it's time for them to transition away. And that doesn't mean you did a bad job and that doesn't mean your company's bad. It means that fulfillment is a moving target for individuals yes. and that does change. We evolve and grow. And, and I think that's a really powerful thing. And one other kind of takeaway from that is I talked about purpose in my diagram and there's these two circles that overlap. Well, as a leader, it's been hard for me to come to terms with the fact that I can't, I can't make my, give my team purpose, right? I can't give people right. purpose, but what I can do is I can give them something to connect to, which is one of those circles connection. And I can give them clarity of what is important to me as an organization or to my organization. And if I can give them those two things, then they can discover whether or not they find purpose within my organization. And it sounds to me, as you kind of made that transition and found this company, you create there was connection and clarity to something that you found purpose in. And I just think those are some cool takeaways just to kind of pluck out of that story uh, as people journey towards their own path towards fulfillment. Yeah. And I mean, if I can just step in to kind of expand on that, you know, the second part of my journey was that now I had been in my first role with the business 
and it was three years in and I hit a massive burnout and it was a burnout where I didn't even recognize I was burnout until I was two years into the burnout. And I just kept plugging along and just finding things outside of work. So such as my workouts, I ran three half marathons without training just because I figured, no, look, I still have stamina. I can do this. And I didn't want to give in to thinking that I was a outgrown my role because I love, I love the company and I was like, what am I going to do if I don't find another company that I feel this passionate about? So I wanted to make it work. And so that was a bit to my own detriment is that I spent two years in that space until I finally couldn't do it anymore. And I was in a yoga class and I was lying on my mat at the end and I started tearing up and, um, I was like, where is this coming from? There's something wrong. I am not, I am not listening to myself enough here. And that at that moment is when I started to change my life again in terms of recalibrating, I'll call it, back to what's my real reason why I love this brand and what can I do here? And if it's not with them, then how can I bring this somewhere else? And I lucked out. It just so happened that my leaders at the time were like, look, we love you. We we recognize you're ready to leave. We don't want you to, what do you want to create here? Um, so I had that autonomy and that ability to do that. And so I started and created a channel for them over the last six years. Um, and I, it, it got, it was in a place where I could sell the way I wanted to work with types of businesses that I wanted to. And I felt like I was growing as um, a business development manager. Um, but I was also helping other businesses grow, um, in a capacity that I don't think they had had from other brands that they had worked with. So, um, yeah, it ended up working out. That's, that's really cool. And I, I, I respect what the leaders of the company that you were with did in, in that they saw an opportunity to partner with their team uh, even if that moved them slightly outside and away from their own company, because they recognize that like that to me, that is the one of the kind of the the form of the people first leader, right? As you recognize like your people, the people in your company are with you for a period of time. And it's usually not a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And so your, your opportunity is to pour into them and help them in their journey in any way that you possibly can. And sometimes it's to help them leave and transition with ease and with tranquility and peace and help them on that journey. And it, and it sounds like you got the two of you were the perfect pair of somebody who had a vision, something that you wanted to do, something you cared of, but still a great deal of respect and passion for the brand and the company that you work for and leaders who recognize not to hold people too tightly and to find out how to let them soar and do what they're going to do. And that's just a, I think that's a beautiful example of what people first leadership ought to look like in our organizations. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I mean, on that is that this company, you know, they've, they've evolved and they moved on and they were purchased by a much larger company, which now, you know, the dynamics are likely a little different. Um, sure. But I do know that the larger company that purchased them has a huge mission in this world and they absolutely have purpose to the businesses that they own um, integrated throughout what they do, which is really important. And, you know, I, I guess, um, one of the things now I've lost my, my train of thought, but, um, I guess what I wanted to say is that by working with this company from a very early stage, um, in their business, so they were 15 years in when I started working with them and they're now, 
you know, 25 plus year old company. Um, but I had the ability to see them um, and their development of their leadership um, within a short period of time, which now, you know, I, I, I'm not every company is going to be 100% great at leadership. Let's just get honest here. There are, you know, things that ebb and flow in every company. Um, so yeah. I'm not saying they are like the absolute best at, at their leadership. But what it brought to me, the purpose part and the leadership of how they handled things with me, um, just made me realize that, you know, whatever businesses I work with, again, whether it's internal or external, um, I, those are the things that are going to be important into what I look for and, and how they value that purpose piece and their leadership piece um, and how they run their business. Absolutely. And, you know, and I, I agree, right? You, We have to be careful, right? We don't want to put people up on pedestals to the point where they are, <laughs> they are these imperfect examples of leadership or these perfect examples of leadership that just don't hold up. Uh, right. I always say this to my team all the time, like I have values, but I fail to live up to my own values all the time. Like yeah. that's not, that is not abnormal. I think that's human, right? Like we all yes. have these aspirations that are meaningful and super important values that are very like deeply rooted and Every day I battle to stay on the stay on the course and to live my values and not find myself uh, contradicting what I believe in or contradicting what is important to me. So, yeah, I mean, leaders aren't perfect, but leader even imperfect leaders can do really great things and and mm-hmm. really change the course of their teams if they're willing to be humble, uh, teachable, uh, if they're willing to acknowledge that uh, they have room to grow. And, and room to learn. So I think yeah, that's really I, cool. Sorry. I think that um, leadership as well, you know, you have to recognize it's much like success. It means something different to everyone. And there's not just one formula to leadership. Although, you know, you hear through the Forbes of the world and the New York times and all these, you know, Inc.com and yes, they do a ton of research and absolutely valid information that they share with us in terms of how, or what leadership should look like. But I think there's a foundational part that you start from in terms of what you should look for in good leadership. Um, But then from there, it's really up to the individual to create, you know, people are are successful leaders a lot of times because it's things within them, not everything that they're taught. Yeah. And I I ultimately think leadership is made in in a lot of ways is made up of these kind of three parts. The foundation you talk about, right? There's a, there's a standard understanding of leadership that is true, regardless of who you are and who you're leading, that is important for leadership. There is who you are, the individual person that you are, that you bring to the table as a leader, that's going to be unique because you are unique. And then mm-hmm. there's this other layer that every person that you lead sometimes needs you to be something very specific for them. Yes. And you have to adapt and change for the person that you're leading. And those three components, that's why leadership is so difficult. It's because there's there's only really one kind of stable part. And then there's these two parts of me changing and my team changing. And I yes. have to constantly, you know, a leader has to constantly ebb and flow and be and respond to the circumstances in the world that they live in. And it's it's challenging. Yes. <laughs> one of I talked about these motivational drivers. One of the other motivational drivers uh, that if you, in my, in my Venn diagram, if you move 
uh, clockwise to the right. The next motivational driver that we I talk about a lot, and if you've seen any content on our website or listened to the episodes, you you catch it. It's progress. Uh, progress happens to be one of my primary motivational drivers. It's one of the things that really gets me going. If I if I can just make things a little bit better at a time, that motivates me a lot just to kind of keep moving and keep going. But I always talk about the fact that progress is not the same as productivity and progress is not the same as mm. activity. Like you can be active, meaning busy. I'm just, I'm doing stuff, but it's <laughs> yeah. not the right stuff, right? It's not moving the right stuff, the right amount of better and the right amount of time. You talk yeah. a little bit about this too, like busy versus productive. Uh, I'd love to hear your philosophy around busy versus productive because I think it lines up a lot with how I think of it, even though I might <laughs> call it productive versus progress. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I always say, don't be busy, be productive. And um, hustling doesn't necessarily mean busy. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I mean by that certainly is, you know, there are a lot of people that um, people, departments, however you want to see it in businesses, um, it could be a real micro level, meaning the individual or a department itself, um, being really busy. But unless they really, and again, that word comes back to me right now about recalibration almost. Um, I actually did, um, I have a podcast as well, um, just around, um, it's called Fearless Future. Um, But it really is just helping people, um, you know, live better, lead better, um, and transform their life in some way um, to live with some more purpose, um, whether that's personal or professional. But Anyway, so recalibrate. So the the episode I just did was, you know, are you surviving the week or driving the week? And surviving the week is when you're really busy. And so it means that you're being really reactive to everything that's coming at you at once. So you have a full inbox. You know, maybe you're running to a ton of meetings. Um, You have some reporting maybe that you need to get done. There's little things at your desk, people popping up at your desk, asking you questions. So you're really busy and your day might fly by and you're like, whew, that was such a busy day. It must have been productive. But the truth is, did you get done what absolutely contributes to what you're supposed to deliver for the business? And that's where the difference is. And that's where, you know, I coach around um, a lot of how do you just recalibrate or how do you take that inventory, if you want to call it, um, in your day. So you should feel confident that you have at least five minutes. Five minutes is not that long. You can get a lot done in five minutes, but even just five minutes, just take a moment in your day and recognize the things that you are working on and how are they actually contributing to what you're supposed to deliver to the business because there's always going to be a ton of things to get done and we can distract ourselves beyond belief <laughs> as humans <laughs> right we do right and and feeling like we're busy you know like running here and there and everywhere and multitasking but the truth is is, is that likely not productive so that little moment of your day or do it once a week or once a day, however best suits you. Cause I I'm obviously a coach. So my whole way of life is coaching others to do what naturally innately works for them. Um, but still getting a certain outcome that's desired for whether it's a business or themselves. Um, but if they can take that moment to really just consider, you know, am I just running ragged here? And part of, Part of being busy leads to that exhaustion, that stress, that overwhelm. Um, Sometimes that starts leading you to burnout. Um, So if you can catch it and start being more productive and 
know that the house or the business isn't going to burn down just because you leave some things for the next hour or the next day, um, you'll get a lot more done and you'll feel better being in control and you're being proactive versus reactive. No, it's so important. And for those listening, like if you don't, if you haven't created a daily practice of kind of just a check-in and that, and again, that may be the first, first moments of your day before you open your email, before you look at your phone, before you do any of that stuff and just take a step and think about like, what is most important for me to get done today? Like, what are my priorities for today? Uh, You know, lots of smarter people, smarter than me would say, you know, find your, your three big rocks, the three things that if you get these things done today, that's the best, like you will have a productive, you will have a day that's, that feels like progress. And then figure out how you protect that time. Get it done early before yes. all the meetings start, before all the phone calls happen, before all the, the, the team starts knocking on the door, whatever it may be. Uh, but figure out what that is. I am a huge proponent of t- stealing that time, making margin in our schedules, margin to think, margin to process. And so I would say if you're if you're a person right now, you're listening to this and you get to the end of your day, and man, at, ev- at the end of every day you feel depleted, you feel worn out, but you don't feel like you actually got anything done, it's time for you to take a part of your schedule, book it on your calendar as soon as you can, an hour, a half an hour, to look at what you do on a daily basis. Write down all those tasks because it's probably time for you to say, what can I automate? What can I delegate? Or what can I just completely eliminate from my schedule mm-hmm. completely so I can do the things that are most important? So I love that approach of like just that check-in, right? Just look at it, think about your schedule and figure out how to, how to decompress all that stuff. Yeah. And the second part of that is really boundaries. I mean, we have to get better at setting boundaries. And boundaries, I always say boundaries will be your friend. And when you were mentioning about, you know, getting to the end of your day and feeling just completely wiped, um, if you're setting the right boundaries to get the proper work done, to be productive and proactive, you will feel less um, wiped out. You might still be stressed because maybe your job is just stressful. It might be one of those positions that holds a lot of stress, but stress and burnout are very different, right? Stress is that you see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's usually a temporary overwhelm that's happening because of certain projects or certain things going on at work. Whereas burnout, it's a prolonged state of you no longer can see the light at the end of the tunnel. You have constant anxiety or stress. It's It starts affecting you physically, emotionally, whereas stress is more manage- manageable, even though... Um, even though it, it seems like it's not at some times, but I know I think you're absolutely right. If you get to the end of your day with stress, you usually, if you have, uh, if you are in a career that is fulfilling to you, if you have purpose, if you, if you, these are the three questions I ask, and this is a, I've, I think I said this on a previous episode, maybe even just the last episode. I can't, it's hard there. They run together sometimes. It's hard <laughs> to remember, but these are the three questions I always ask. And these actually get down to purpose, progress, and passion. These are the motivational drivers I ask. Do, do I still love what I'm doing? Do I believe what I'm doing matters? And do I see the impact what I'm doing has? Mm-hmm. That that speaks to, you know, am I, do I have, you know, at, at the core of it, am I passionate? Do I still have passion for what I'm doing? Do I still see the purpose of it? And am I seeing progress? And at the end of the day, you might still be stressed. Because you may, like you said, yes. you may just have a stressful job that carries a lot of weight and a lot of impact. 
and you may still be stressed. But if you can still say yes to those questions, my guess is you still feel full. You feel stressed, you feel pressure, but you feel full. If you get to the end of your day and you answer those questions, no, my guess is you feel depleted. You feel spent and not, you don't just feel heavy, you feel crushed. And that's what burnout feels like. Like you just, you feel like you're not getting anywhere. And it's like, how am I going to even get up to face the next day? How am I, like, how am I going to do it? And they are, you're right, stress and burnout, very different. One absolutely needs to be taken care of. One has to be taken care of as well, but you probably just need to go out and go for a walk and go for some (laughs) runs and spend time with your family. And like, like stress, stress is, it's easier. I think it's easier to manage in most cases if you're aware of it. Burnout it's time for a life change. Like, yes. And you, like you experience, right. And at some point you have to actually like the, your life has to change. It's not just, I need to go for a walk and decompress. Uh, Something bigger has to change. Yeah. And totally to your point. I mean, when I was in burnout, you know, people would look at me and think she's so physical. She runs like 40 K a week. She's doing half marathons. She's, you know, she parties (laughs) with the best of them. she, you know, she lives this, this wild life, which is great. But um, the truth is like the fulfillment part is what I was missing. I just, I just didn't know what I was working and living for, for that period of time. And um, it was, it's a very hard place to be because you've allowed yourself to get so sucked into this burnout. And emotionally, you're not, you're not balanced. Um, So what happens is, then it's even that much harder to figure out what you need to do to get out of it. So, you know, luckily there is a lot of support out there now and, um, you know, people doing great work around burnout and around helping people get that recalibration in their life um, to a place where they can start seeking out more fulfillment and, and live with more purpose. 100%. And it does feel like burnout is a, seems like a hot topic uh, today. I think certainly the pandemic has uh, impacted a lot of people and perhaps accelerated some burnout that some people were unaware of uh, and and opened their eyes perhaps to the organizations that they work in and the lack of respect that they're receiving from an organization that they're pouring into. Like there's a lot of reasons for burnout. What I wonder is, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, when you're burned out, you have to deal with it. Like it's something you just, you have to deal with it. But you talked a little bit about boundaries. I want to kind of talk back at that just a little bit more because while we have to fix things when we're burned out, there's some change that happens. How do we as leaders and individuals maybe prevent the burnout before it gets too bad? How do we protect ourselves so that we're, uh, doing those regular good habits that help us prevent the ultimate crash and burn uh, before it gets there? Sure. I think it's about checking in. So from a leadership standpoint, it is about checking in with your team. And, you know, leaders are very busy, but they have to be aware of what is happening on the ground with their team and on an individual scale. So looking at, you know, Joe and Mary, and they might work very differently but recognizing, you know, is one of them working at a capacity that is sustainable versus one that's not. And maybe that's just, I'm comparing two people because sometimes you have to look at like their achievements and are they achieving similar results? Are they achieving, 
even close to the same results and what might be those differences. So I think from a leadership standpoint, you really need to check in with your team, understand, you know, what is on the ground for them, how how it is that they're approaching their work. And it's usually pretty obvious when you start recognizing, you know, burnout. But um, if you want to catch it before that, it is about understanding how your team is working. And, you know, why does one person seem like they're happy, I'll say 100% of the time, even though we know that's not necessarily always possible, but um, who's coming into work really happy and jazzed on things and another one who's still performing, but maybe lacks that luster. And so taking recognition of that and actually pulling your team member aside and having a conversation about, you know, where they're at and are there external things creating this or is it the job? Because what you can do is hopefully catch it before it turns into burnout and help them find new and better ways to work moving forward. So is that setting boundaries or is that getting them to recognize when they're being reactive versus proactive in their job? Um, because if you're, if you are, sorry, if you are working from a proactive state, usually um, things feel better. You feel more productive. You feel happier. You, you feel in control essentially. Yeah. Um, and if you're constantly in, in reactive mode, that is not sustainable. And so the reactiveness creates that misery at work. People don't feel fulfilled. They feel like they're just being pulled in all directions. They're not recognized for the work that they're doing, but damn, they're working hard. So as a leader, if you could, you know, put a, a view on that um, for your team. And, and like I said, if you need to pull someone aside, uh, during that week or month or quarter or whatever that may be, then do that because you probably they will probably thank you one day um, for helping helping them get out of that or or not even venture into that. Maybe is the the key. This is why we uh, I constantly encourage. We've said it on the show and we say it in our articles on the website. This is why one on ones are so important. Regular, quick check in one on ones with your team because. That is an opportunity for you as a leader to perhaps find and see some red flags of burnout, uh, some see some things that perhaps aren't connecting by having those real conversations, not about the work, not about like projects and tasks that they checked off, but just about their lives, about what their mm-hmm. goals are and how they're feeling and what's going on. And this is an important check-in because, you know, you want to check in as you're having these conversations, because there's things that happen in the world around us and they impact everyone on your team in different ways. So during the pandemic, everyone was being impacted by that in some way. Yeah. Either we had a loved one who was home that we were we were taking care of or we're homeschooling our kids because the schools were shut down or we there's all kinds of reasons why they may be feeling burnout. And they, as you said, right, it may not even be about the job. It may not be the job at all. They may be their personal life is burning them out, but mm-hmm. you as a leader can help them in their professional life kind of get a handle of it, that they can transfer that piece to their personal life as well. So there's some things that you do. So one-on-ones or getting feedback, feedback surveys are another way you can do that. Nice anonymous ways for people to say this is how I'm feeling. It may not tell you about the individual, but I'll tell you about the organization and as an aggregate how things are going. And something that we do in our checkups, when we do our kind of evaluations and reviews uh, every quarter, is we ask those three questions that I just talked about. Do you love the, the work? Do you love the, what you do? 
Do you believe what you do matters? And do you see the impact that it has? And we let them say how they feel. And that gives us a little bit of an indication of whether somebody is headed in one direction or the other. And what we're looking at is the trend, right? Like somebody may be super fulfilled one review and not the next and worse the next. And you're looking for that trend. You want to follow that and decide, all right, we need to course correct. Catherine, thank you so much for being on the show. I want to give you the last word. How can people get in contact with you if they want to learn more about what you offer and your coaching? How can they do that? Sure. I have a website. It's katherinemccourt.com, which I'm sure, James, you'll put on on the show notes so people can spell Absolutely. it. Um, and I usually hang out on Instagram. So I have two Instagrams. One is my podcast Instagram. So it's at fearless.future. And then my personal Instagram, well, I say personal slash coaching, um, is Catherine L. McCourt. So at Catherine L. McCourt on Instagram. And you are correct. We will put all those links in the show notes. And everyone, please take a time to check out uh, the podcast. Uh, I, I, I will be doing so as well. Uh, Catherine, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Yeah, thank you so much, James. I love what you do. Um, podcast is is a really awesome um, topic and one that I obviously resonate well with. So I appreciate being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Catherine was an extremely genuine guest and an absolute pleasure to have on the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Everything that we mentioned, including a full transcript of the show, is available over on our website, and you can access it anytime by visiting leadingtofulfillment.com slash 022. Also on that website, you can subscribe to our newsletter. There we'll let you know about when those new episodes drop, as well as send you original and curated content on leadership, managing teams, and finding fulfillment. It's a great newsletter. I hope you'll subscribe. As we wrap up this episode, I'd like to help you reframe how you think about purpose just a little. Every role, no matter where it exists in the company hierarchy, has a purpose. As an employee, It's a huge missed opportunity to wait for your dream job to have purpose. Think of the years of misery you'll have to endure the entire time believing that your purpose awaits somewhere in the future. Instead, I encourage everyone, leaders and team members, to reframe their idea of purpose and find it now. Jake and Ashley are administrative professionals at the same company. They both aspire to be managers. They'll need to have a few years of experience, though, first to accomplish that. Now, Jake is frustrated by his position. He thinks his talents are being wasted and that his admin duties don't make a big difference to the company. He does his job well, but every report, project, and task feels like a slog. The days go by slowly, and he often watches the clock waiting to go home. Jake is counting the days until he's promised and promoted to a new, more important Ashley initially feels the same as Jake. She's more people-oriented than task-oriented. Administrative duties aren't her passion. But early on, she decides she wants to enjoy her work, so she thinks about her purpose. When compiling a report starts to get tedious, Ashley thinks about all the teammates who rely on that report to do their jobs well. By reframing her thoughts, Ashley realizes her job is people-oriented after all, and she has purpose. Which person do you think is happier, healthier, and a greater asset to their team? Who feels more fulfilled at the end of each day? As a leader, you can help your team feel a sense of purpose by offering clarity, 
How does their role, task, or project relate to your organization's mission? No one wants to do work for the sake of work. Providing the bigger picture makes a huge difference. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join me in the next episode. And until then, may your businesses be successful as you lead your teams to fulfillment.